All right, we're going to go to the Word of the Lord today. I ask everybody just to stay in here because of uh, I want to talk to everybody today. I want everybody to be strong in the Lord, okay? I want you to be strong. I don't want you, if you need, we got nursery today. All right, there is nursery. If you, um, if you, uh, if you're struggling, please don't do it by yourself. Struggle together, okay? The Bible talks about a threefold cord is not easily broken, okay? Because if you, you know, two sticks, you can break two sticks, but you take three sticks and tie them together, that's a lot harder to break all three sticks. You don't want to go anywhere by yourself. And i tell you why you don't want to go by yourself, because if you fall out there by yourself, nobody may ever hear you crying for help. That happened to Sister Madonna. She fell, and she was by herself, and she was there for, what, a couple hours? You know, trying to trying to get some help. So, listen, it's the same way walking with the Lord. we got to walk with each other. We need each other in this hour. We need each other in this hour. So I'm going to the Word of the Lord today. All right. Now, does this does this clicker work faster than it did? They think so. Okay. So I'm just wondering because, you know, I used to click it. And like when you had dial-up Internet, you go out, go get a sandwich and come back. And by, by the time you got back, you were... You were on. We're going to the book of Genesis today. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. The book of Genesis, chapter number 2, verse 20. It says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto him. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Amen? They shall be one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for everybody that's watching online. We are just appreciated. Uh, we want to encourage you today. So we here have seen the birth of the institution of marriage. Marriage is eternal. All right? There are several concepts in the scriptures that are eternal. Marriage is one of them. Marriage comes from the throne room. Another one that is eternal is giving. You know that? Giving came way before the law ever happened. It was eternal. It was an eternal principle of God. When Abraham had came back from defeating the five kings, the high priest met Abraham and Abraham gave his tithes to Melchizedek, the high priest. I believe it's maybe Genesis chapter 14, I think it is. But there are, there are institutions that are eternal. Now, the marriage and the institution of marriage is one man and one woman. No matter what they say today, it's one man and one woman. Okay? There you go. It just doesn't look right the other way. You know what I'm saying? And TV, they're putting all these subtle things in there. 
I don't know if you've ever seen some of these commercials where they have this montage of clips going about with people, and then all at once there's a quick montage of two men or two women kissing each other. You've, you've seen it. What are they doing? They're, they're putting, they're programming us. They're programming us. Now, us old dogs, us old fossils, we can, we see it and we're like, oh, that ain't, you know, that, but you know what? To younger children, that's gonna, they're gonna grow up and that's gonna be normal because that's what they've always seen. So the enemy is trying to destroy the institution of marriage. If he can take out, they, they talk about, you know, society and they talk about the inner cities and they're depressed and, and they're, they're, there's poverty. That's because almost 75%, I think it's like 67%. Two-thirds of, of African-American babies are born without fathers. There is no family, nuclear family set up. There is not a father and a mother raising the children. One of the, one of the uh, uh, things of Black Lives Matter is they want to tear apart and disassemble the nuclear family. They want the community to raise the children. So that's how they did it back in the 1918. They started that in Russia. It's called community, communism. And so the children actually become property of the state. But it's not intended to be that way. So from the beginning, from the heart of God, and even now, the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ is a marriage. We are the bride awaiting for our groom to come, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want to talk this today to you, this title. Love endures through every circumstance. Love endures through every circumstance. It's going to be a little bit different sermon today. Uh, probably won't be hooping and hollering and all that. But I want you to know that love endures through every circumstance. But the problem is we got to figure out what is love. I want to share something with you, okay? I actually found this on the internet. Wow. It was last two years ago, 2019, we had like three weddings in this church. Uh, Austin and Addie and uh, Zeke and Mary and Mitchell and Caitlin. Now, the Philpot and the and the Cage wedding was one week apart. So, as a pastor, you're like, oh, Lord, I don't want to get up there and say the exact same thing. They're just going to think, he don't do any work. He just copies and pastes. But, uh, and you know what? I, I got on, and it, it might have been, I hate to say it, it might have been Facebook. I might have found this on Facebook. Look, sometimes Facebook has some good sayings on it. Okay? I need someone to be the minister of Facebook. And find all the good stuff that's good sayings and copy and paste for me. Because I don't have time to just go do it. You know what I'm saying? I just don't, I can't spend, my eyes burn. It's like, you know, you ever stay up all night watching TV? You know how bad you feel the next day? It's like, blah. But here's what I found. As a pastor, I have the joy of being part of many wedding ceremonies. I get to sit down with couples and hear all about how they met and they fell in love and how their lives have been changed through their love for one another. I get to hear all of that. I get to experience that. It's kind of like, you know, before, by the time the wedding is over, you feel like you're part of that family just with everything. And so 
as a pastor, I get to do that. That's one of the better perks of my job. And then I get to go see a family that's lost somebody. And But it's not as tough as Brother Brandon. I know as a chaplain, he's seen a lot of worse things than I have. But it's hard. But this is a joyous occasion here. Marriages are joyous occasions. Weddings are joyous occasions. But the, what is love? Love is a very common word. We use it in many different ways. We say, I love you to the person we care about most in the world. But we also say, I love chocolate. Wow. Certainly, we don't love our significant other the same way that we love chocolate. Yet, we have no better words to express ourselves. So what is love, really? What is love? Okay. I'm glad you asked. Love is far more than an emotion. Emotions are fleeting. They are here one moment and gone the next. Anyone who has been married longer than a day knows that the feeling of love comes and goes. Marriage is not easy because true love is more than a feeling. It's a choice. Love is a choice. We have it all backwards in society. We have it all backwards. We spend all of this money for this one day. I'm I'm hearing that of people, and maybe you've heard even worse. I'm hearing people spending forty, fifty thousand dollars or more for a wedding. Anybody heard higher? That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Really, they ought to save that fifty thousand dollars for the marriage counselor. That they're going to need one of these days. The pastor set set a group down one day to teach him, and they were going to. They were this young couple was getting married, and he said, "I tell you what, come to my office." And they were all sitting there, you know, on the couch, and they were just loving each other, and and everything the pastor said. He they they said, "Oh, we got yeah, we understand that. Oh yeah, we understand that. We understand that." And the pastor said, "I'll tell you what. I think we're done here. I think you guys pretty well got it." Just come back to me, because the next time you come back to me, one of you going to be on one end of the couch, and the other of you going to be on the other end of the couch, and you're not going to like each other. So we spend all this time and all this emphasis on a wedding day, when really the marriage is what really counts. The marriage is one day at a time. And we had a, we saw in this service this morning, in this gathering today, we saw a swing of emotion. We saw a swing of emotion when this is the sound of a dead man. That's how I sing in the road because I don't remember all the words. Sometimes I just make some up. That other song, Rescued, the second song, I didn't know it was rescued. I thought it was ransomed. So we're going down the road one night, and I'm singing that line with a ransom. And Amy's like, those are not the words. I said, they're not? She said, no. So, 
We, we had that emotion of this is the sound of a dead man, dead bones rattling. Dead man walking. And we're like, yeah, resurrection's in my life. I can do this. And then we had some tears just a little bit ago. That's emotions. Emotions are like a thermometer, right? A thermometer measures the mood of the temperature of the room. A thermometer is, is high when it's hot and it's low when it's cold. God's wanting us to be thermostats in our walk. You set the thermostat at the temperature you want and then the thermostat dictates the environment of the room. A thermostat is not going to move until it is programmed or changed by the owner. God needs us not to be thermometers in the kingdom, but he wants us to be thermostats in the kingdom. So we're looking at this and we say, you know, love is far more than an emotion. Because emotions are fleeting. They're here. One is here one moment and the next moment it is gone. That's why God did not put in his word, the happiness of the Lord is my strength. Because happiness is tied to happenings. Got it? So whatever is happening makes me happy. I like what is happening. You know, I'm going to leave here today and hopefully I'll go get some lunch. And that will make me happy. If I don't get to go eat lunch, if the Lord says, I want you to fast, I'm going to say, okay. And it's going to be not so happy. That's why he said the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because joy is inward. It's not just an expression of something that is outward. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So we come to the feeling of love, and, and love comes and goes. you got to remember this as well. What in the world attracted you to that person in the first place? There was something that attracted you to them. There was something, the way they smiled, the way they, they uh, their eyes. That was one of the first things I noticed about Miss Amy over here was those dark, dark chocolate eyes. Almost black. Piercing. Piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit. And then as I got to know her and I realized when she got upset, she got a crease right in right here between her brows. And I've only seen a few people in the world. I saw some picture of somebody on, on Facebook or on the internet. And this guy had a crease, right? And he said, I'm like, look at this, Amy. He's got a crease. Just like you. I wonder if he's mad. But she would get that crease. What was it attracted you to me? As I was putting this together and I was looking for some information, there was a, a riddle that came up, no, a riddle or a joke. And this man and woman got married. And, and so when they got married, then the woman decided that she didn't like the way the man wore the clothes that he wore. So she went out and bought him a whole new wardrobe. So she got him all spiffed up. He looked good. He looked foppish. There's a word for you out there. Foppish. F-O-P-P-I-S-H. Foppish. He looked sharp. He was a sharp-dressed man. Right. Okay. Could write a song about that maybe and somebody make some money on a sharp-dressed man. <laughs> That's what they already did. Then, then she said, you know what? I don't like your hairstyle anymore. I think we need to change your hairstyle. So then she changes his hairstyle. So now he's got a new wardrobe and a new hairstyle. And so it continues on through time. Why, what is he doing? He's wanting to please her. Love wants to please the other. Love wants to prefer. Love wants, I, I want, love says in me that I want you to be happy. Amen? 
I want you to be happy, so I'm going to do whatever. So he changes his clothes, he changes his hairstyle. Then they begin to, then I don't like the car that you're driving, let's get a different car. And so then, and then we need to hang around some different type of people. Finally, as several years later, she files for divorce. The reason she filed for divorce is, you're not the man I fell in love with years ago. So there's something about each and every one of us that caught our attention. There's something about my wife that caught my attention. There's something about me, hallelujah, that caught her attention. Sometimes you have to remind them when they're mad at you, say, now wait a minute, don't be mad at that because something, there's something here that you liked years ago. Now it's under gobs of flesh probably right now. There used to be a jawline there, but it's not now, but it's there. There was something. But the devil doesn't want you to realize that. You know, and so these emotions and these feelings, marriage is not easy because true love is more than a feeling. It's a choice. We wake up every day and choose to live with each other. We wake up every morning and choose to, how can I make my mate happy? How can I choose to do it? It's a decision. It's just like people. If you've been here and you're here today and you are been deli- you've been delivered from an addiction, you know this one thing is true. In order for you to to be delivered from the addiction, at one point, at some point, you have to decide, I'm sick of the way I'm living, and I'm done with it. Can I get an amen from anybody? Is that true? It's a decision. Somebody asked me, why did God put the tree in the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? Because it was He gave them the decision process and the choice to make that decision. You're either going to serve me because you want to, or you're going to not serve me because you don't want to. I'm either going to stay married to you because I want to, or I'm going to divorce you because I don't want to. Now, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody today or not. I'm just putting this out there for everybody, everyone who's married. If you're single, take notes because someday the Lord's going to bring somebody in your life if you want them to. Some of you don't want anybody in your life. Somebody was up here one time, Prophet Tom said, I see a woman in your life. And they're like, oh, no. No, 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 no. We're not mentioning any names. Ah. I said, well, he may have been off. I don't know. So don't stress it. Let the Lord do what the Lord wants to do. It's a choice. Look at your neighbor and say it's a choice. If you want your marriage to be strong and last, you must choose every day to love the other. If you choose to do this, your marriage will be one of the most fulfilling, rewarding, and fruitful parts of your entire life. But it's choices. We have to choose. You have to choose. Now, how much do I have to choose, Pastor? How far do I have to go? What do I have to do here? What's going on? The perfect example of love is found in our Lord Jesus, who sacrificed everything and humbled himself by taking on the form of a man, coming down from heaven to earth to die for us. He chose to give up his life so that all who believe in him could have life. I want you to think about what the Lord left, his splendor and glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, master of the entire universe, to come down here and live inside of a body. 
to come down here and face the temptations and trials that we all face and are tempted with. Why? Because his love for his creation, us, his love for us said, I choose to do this. He took on the form of the cross. He took the beatings. He took the stripes on his back. He took the crown of thorns in his in, on his head. He took his being spit upon. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been spit on or not. Okay? But I have. And there's something about, you know, if you take a swing at me, that's all right. But if you spit on me, dude, there is something inside of this body that just goes nuts. All light disappears. Everything goes black. And, you know, then you're waking up in the back of a cruiser with handcuffs on you, didn't it? But one time I was on the bus. This was B.C. This was before Christ. And I am walking on the bus, and there's this little kid, little punk third or fourth grader, and that little joker spit at me. And he, listen, now here's, here was what the issue was. His stepdad was a Maryland State Trooper. But the next thing I know, I am this far from his nose. And he's down in the seat, and I'm on top of him. And I'm going to say, I don't care who your dad is or not. And I probably used, I told you it was B.C. And I said, if you ever, if you ever do that again, I'm going to drag you off of this bus. I'll drag you off this bus in front of your mom and stepdad, and I'm going to tell them exactly what you did. I mean, but the Lord, I mean, he handled it. They spit on him. He handled it. I couldn't do it. But it was choices that he made. What choices do you have to make for your marriage? What choices do we have to make for our mate? Sometimes we have to, you know, and listen, none of us are perfect. As a 13 or 15-year-old kid told me going to, on the way to, in the carpool to school one morning, Bro, Tracy, everybody's got problems. That was so enlightening. And I'm thinking, the, the word says, out of the mouth of babes. Everybody has problems. I hate to admit it, but I probably have a few. I got some. I got problems. But we have to deal, somebody's dealing with our problems in our marriage. So isn't it right that I should choose to deal with their problems? Isn't it right that I should? Because listen, when you take a wedding vow, the world has cheapened the vows so much that it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything. The Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, it is better not to vow a vow than to take a vow and not keep it. That's what it says. Don't take the vow if you're not going to keep it. But you see, the world, we're at about 53% worldwide divorces to marriages. 53% of divorce of marriages end up in divorce. But that's not just outside the church. That's in the church too. The church is having issues. Why? Because we're thinking that a marriage is expendable. And it's, it's, it's tough enough when it's just a husband and a wife. But then when you get kids involved... Then I watch, then I watch kids become damaged. I watch kids and their behavior just spiral out of control. I watch hurt. I watch dejection. I watch rejection. I watch all kinds of things happen in, in four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, twelve. Why? Kids are affected too. 
When Ginger's mother left her when she was 15 months old, this is what she, these were her words. She said, she's just a baby. She won't remember any of this. It will not affect her at all. That was June of 1974. I was there. Well, I'm telling you, it it did. And she has to work through all kinds of stuff now. And I'm sure that I'm preaching to some of you and talking to some of you that your mind is flashing back to maybe a situation in your life or a divorce, and you've had to go through hurts and pains and rejections. You know, and here was... was, uh, at six years old, she's get, Ginger's getting ready to graduate from kindergarten, and her mom promised her. She promised her. She said, I will be there at your graduation. Ginger said when the graduation came, she walked up the aisle, and she didn't see her mom at all. She saw her grandma, her two grandmas, and she saw her dad. She saw my mom, Graham, and Grandma Rosie, and her dad. And she said, I've never forgot that day. She was six years old. That was 32, 42 years ago. 42 years ago, and she hasn't forgotten it. When she finally did see her mom again, her mom said, oh, I'm sorry. But that was the only time I could go meet so-and-so's parents, her boyfriend, to whom she didn't ever marry. What am I talking about? I'm talking about choices. We better be careful of the choices we're making. You know, if you're in a marriage and you guys are struggling, now it's time to start working on it. It's time to start working on it. Jesus gave up his life. Are we willing to do that? He died for his bride. Are we willing to die for our bride? Are we willing to die for our husband? Are we willing to do all of that? Let's go on. Jesus' sacrifice was out of his great love for us. There is no greater love than a, to lay down your life for another. In the same way, my hope is this, and there's Mitchell and Caitlin's name because I took it out of that note. Would you lay down your lives for one another? Are you look? Put your put your name in there. Put your name in there. Are you willing to do that? Think about it. if you're single and you're looking to get married. Are you willing to do that? Are we willing to do it? That's tough. That's a big thing right there. What, what does Jesus want to do? So today I say, husbands, each day you got to choose to love your wife by putting her desires ahead of your own. That's love, putting her desires ahead of yours. It's not, marriage is not a, all about me. Marriage is a two-way street. Marriage is working together. Marriage is trying to figure out things. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. You know, one thing that that, uh, we need to realize is that everybody has problems, and so we have to learn how to deal with those problems. We We have come up in a microwave society. You can throw a meal in, and in three to five minutes, a meal is cooked, and there you're eating. The hungry man, Swanson. I remember when TV dinners first came out. Everybody was just on fire because of TV dinners. You just threw them in there. I remember my mom, she was so mad about them. She was so she was so ticked off when uh, frozen bread dough came out. First time she brought frozen bread dough, she apologized to all of her ancestors. Because when I was growing up, they baked bread every day. When we ate sandwiches, it was off of homemade bread. We didn't buy the Balton stuff; it was homemade. 
And then now they're coming out with, what was it, Dakota Hart. And she was just losing her mind. She said, I just feel like I'm, you know. But now we live in a microwave society. We live in a drive-up society. We do drive-up banking, you know. We do drive-up to Dairy Queen and fast food. Shucks, even for the people out in the world, we got drive-up liquor stores. You ain't even got to get out of the car. You just drive up. Now we have banking on our phones. It's all instant. You can transfer from this account to this account. You can do all of this business. You can do it all. And so we've transferred that to the, guess what? Then this, this marriage is dispensable. This marriage is, is a, is in a relationship. Marriage was meant to be forever. Now I know that some of you are remarried because you've been through a divorce. Guess what? You, you were forced to do it. Here you are. I'm not saying to stay around with somebody who cheats on you. I'm not staying around with somebody who beats on you. I'm not in, in, uh, encouraging that at all because there's the scriptures that we're going to go to. we got to love our wives. And our wives has to respect us. The one thing about it is if a, if a woman doesn't give respect to a man, he is not going to give love back to her. It's reciprocal. Okay. I guess Whatever. So you say, husband, are you willing to love your wife by putting her desires ahead of yours? And wife, do you choose to love your husband by putting his desires ahead of your own? This feeling of your wedding day is going to fade in time. And in those moments, you must both choose love. You've got to choose love. So you can't trust your feelings. I'm getting ready to close. You can't trust your feelings. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? You cannot trust your feelings. I've told you that walking with the Lord. You cannot trust your feelings walking with the Lord. There's going to be days that you're going to feel the Lord, and you're going to be growing in the Lord. You're going to feel like a an oak tree beside a river bank, always getting a drink out of the river. You're going to feel big and strong. You're going to feel like you're making progress. And there's going to be days and weeks and maybe months that you're not going to feel a thing. And you're just going through the motions. And you almost feel guilty because you feel calloused. Because it's not a feeling anymore. Oh, the feelings don't last, man. Feelings are just temporary. Feelings are just temporary. So the heart, you cannot trust your heart. Because it isn't real. Let me tell you what's not real. Hallmark is not real. Marcus, come here. Come on. Now, you're going to hear wisdom beyond his years because at about probably 15, 14 years old, I don't know how old he was when he discovered the plot to Hallmark. All right? So he's going to tell you the elements of the plot of every Hallmark movie. They fall in love, depression, fall back in love. Thank you. They fall in love, then they have depression, and then they fall back in love again. Think about it. Let me say this. Falling in love. When you fall, what is that? It's an accident. Did you plan on falling? The world says we fell in love. That's an accident. What the world really means is we fell in lust. We were attracted to each other. Sometimes 
or whatever, how it happens, and we ended up together. But they still have to choose to stay together. Hallmark is not real. TV shows are not real. This is kind of fading away because nobody reads anymore. I guess you read on your phone now. You know, books have 32,000 pages on a cell phone. I don't know how you bookmark. Romance novels. Guess what? Romance novels, ladies, your man is probably not going to look like the guy on the cover of that Harlequin romance. And guys, if we ask our wives to dress like some of those chicks, of those women on the books, she'd say, you're making me feel cheap. This is heavy today, isn't it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But listen, guys and gals, that we're in this this is we're in Realville. We all live in Realville. We have jobs, we have bills to pay, we've got kids to take care of, the cars break down, there's homework to do, and God knows laundry. That demon, you can curse it, you can bind it. The only thing that you can do with laundry is just take it outside and burn it. It's the only way to get rid of it. Years ago, we were in the old building and there was this young kid. He was His parents had passed away in a tragic automobile accident and he would live by himself. And we would go over to his house, his apartment, and I mean, the dishes would be stacked sky high. Now, he had a decent job, and he made money. One day, they were sky high. I went over there a week or so later, and they were all gone. I said, hey, Dan, did you finally do your dishes? No, Brother Tracy. He said, I just threw them away and bought new ones. Dan, it might have been cheaper if you just would have washed the dishes. Yeah, he said, I didn't have time. We live in Realville. And Realville also means that, guess what? When you marry somebody, you're bringing all of the curses of your life into all the curses of their life is coming together. All families have generational curses. All families have demonic spirits. That follow them down the bloodline. Some families deal in divorce. Some families deal in suicide. Some families have curses of alcoholism and womanizing and addiction. I'm telling you the truth. You can think back right now. You think about families in this area. Maybe families that some of you are close to you know or maybe related. I don't know. But you look back and over the last three or four generations, there's a constant uh, issue with, with divorce or a constant issue with suicide or a constant issues with, with the depression or a constant issue with addictions and alcoholism and abuse. What is that? That's generational spirits. You see, we are living in a broken world. We are still on this earth. And now we're two forces coming together. I'm bringing all of my demons into this, and she's bringing all of hers into it, and we're going to have to learn how to work this out together. We're in Realville. And God wants us to realize that we're going to have to work on things. Let me tell you something. Brother Joe, Sister Sylvia, how long have you been married?
You don't even look 51, Sister Sylvia. Did he marry you when you were seven? All right, 18. 18. 51 years. That's a lot of years. Has it all been easy? It hadn't? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. You need to learn your spouse. You need to learn them. That's what my father-in-law said. He'd say, I want you to come over for a card game. I'm going to learn you. I said, you're going to what? He said, I'm going to learn you. I said, what are you talking about? You're going to learn me. What is that? Well, he said, you know. I said, I don't. He said, I'm going to learn you. I'm going to, I'm going to show, teach you. Oh, teach me. All right. He said, I guess that's a Midwestern thing. I said, I guess it is, because I don't know about learning until you said something about it. you got to learn your spouse. Let me tell you something. If any of you have any issues, this is the first book that if you come to me, you're going to get. And it's called The Five Love Languages. Okay? The Five Love Languages. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in that. Well, then you go get your court papers. Okay? But I'm telling you this. There's five love languages. These guys are psychologists. These guys are counselors. These guys have... The only one... They have as many degrees as Brandon does. Amen. Johnny, he's getting ready to get a bunch of degrees too. Amen. The Fahrenheit twins right there. Now, they have found out that in our human psyche and in our relationships, we have five basic love languages. And in these love languages, if you find out what the love language is of your spouse, then you deposit into their love bank. And they don't hate your guts. Okay? For instance, what is one of your love languages? See, I should know this. Yours is uh, acts of service. She likes it when I do things around the house. If I wanted to be a hot night, I just go mow the grass, paint the house, cut down 14 trees. She comes home and she says, what would you like me to fix you for supper? Baby, anything you want. What is not one of your love languages? About all of them is yours. You like gifts, presents. All right? There's several of them. So I know that one of hers, and that's the way the Lord made her, one of hers is acts of service. So if I do something, I am putting love into her account. I am helping her love me, and it's going up. My stock is going up. Okay? I'll tell you what one of mine is. When she walks by, my chair, wherever I'm at setting, or she comes up behind me and hugs on me or squeezes on me, I'm my, one of mine's physical touch. It's like, there she is. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you learn each other. You learn what the other likes. You learn what the other, listen, you just can't have a, a, a lustful sexual relationship for the next 51 years because you got you got to go to Realville. You ain't got time for all that. You got to go do the laundry. You got to go pay the bills. You got to mow the grass. You got to help kids with homework. Find out what their love language is. Find it out. Find out what makes them tick. The things that don't make them tick, you can put it in there. You know, one of them of hers, hers isn't real uh, physical touch, isn't really one of hers. Sometimes it is. But it, yeah, she's kind of, you know. So if I just do that all the time, she's going to say, why are you clawing at me? Why are you clawing at me? Some of you are laughing because you've heard the same words or spoke the same words to your spouse. Why are you clawing at me? 
Well, well, I'm thinking that I like it. She should like it too, but she's different. What am I doing? I'm trying to make her happy. I'm choosing to love her. I'm choosing to endure through all of her struggles. She's had struggles. She's had situations in her life that wasn't right and fair. She's had things that she's had to deal with as well. And so what we do is we work on this because let me tell you something. If the devil can get into our marriages, he's going to get into our families. And if he gets into our marriages and our kids and our families, then he's going to get into the church. Amen? And then we got to try to figure out what in the world is going on here. I'm talking about building a strong marriage. I'm talking about doing this. Okay, keep these things active in your marriage. And I'm closing. I'm ready to go get some uh, lunch or something. Make time for each other and for yourself. Guess what? When you get married, you still got to go on dates. You still got to take time for each other. All right? You smoothed her and took her out and got her flowers. And once you get married, you don't stop that. You got to keep doing that. I have had the opportunity to surprise her once in a while. She says, I like flowers. So I'll get her flowers. One day I walked in and I gave her some flowers. She said, what's this for? I said, because it's Tuesday and you're my wife. Oh, she said, thanks. I'm learning. The first time I gave her flowers, she wouldn't talk to me for a week. Yeah, truth. Yeah. Many abilities can help a marriage succeed. However, the best ability is availability. You're going to have to take time for your spouse. Even when you get all those kids running around, you got to take time for your spouse. And don't let those kids pit you against your spouse. Don't do it. You're on the same team. The devil wants you to be fighting with each other, but you're on the same team. You're on God's side. You're trying to make this thing happen. Make yourself available. Make time for each other. Be appreciative of what they do for you and what they add to your life. When you're apart from your spouse, working or participating in hobbies, dealing with other matters, take the time to reflect on what you miss about your spouse. The abilities you lack may be the abilities in which your spouse excels. Take mental note of these abilities and learn to appreciate the slack your spouse picks up. And when you realize that they bring what they bring to the table, you should also communicate to your spouse to show appreciation. I know that when I had traveled years before and she couldn't go with me, man, I'd go into some houses and it was nasty. I mean, houses were nasty. I mean, there was hot dogs on the on the I'm, I'm talking hot dogs on the on the table in the living room. I'm talking nasty floors. I'm talking. Blah, 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 blah. I'm talking you want to wear your slippers, your flip-flops in the shower with you. Okay? And you're in, that's bad. And you're in somebody's house. You know what that made me do? That made me appreciate my wife because she kept a pretty clean house. She kept a pretty nice house, and I was appreciative of it. Guess what? Find the strengths. You've got to find strengths with each other. you got to help each other. Amen. Is this all right? All right, it's almost done. you got to communicate. You can't stop talking. You can't stop talking. Honest, open, honest, and healthy communication to a marriage is water to the garden. When communication stops or becomes toxic, the marriage will wither away. Watch your tone, Tracy. Watch your tone. Communication is easier when we are discussing something positive, but strive to be less honest and or be honest and have open communication even during difficult times. And remember, 
How we say something is just as important as what we say. Try to keep your words kind and constructive. Tone. Watch tone. I didn't realize I had a tone until years after we were married. We were probably married 20 years or more. And then finally, my wife's like, there's that tone. And then finally, I realized where I got the tone. I heard the tone. And I realized it. So I'm trying to be nice. You know? Oh, hello, Amy. Hello. Tone. Watch your tone. Watch it. So we got to love each other like the Bible says to love each other. We got to love. We got to choose to love. Amen? We got to help even in difficult situations. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 in the New Living Translation. Love is not proud. Love is never rude. Love does not demand its own way. Well, we're going to do this or we're not doing it at all. That's not love. That's not love. Love is not proud. Love is never rude. Love does does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. This is the word. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the word. It's the word. Love does not, oh, here you go. Love does not keep records of being done wrong. Now that's hard to do. Love does not keep records of being done wrong. If every time you get in a tiff with your mate and somebody brings up what happened back on July 5th, 1967, that's not good. Because it should be under the blood and forgotten. Because the Lord does not bring back all the stuff and junk you did before He got a hold of you, does He? The Lord doesn't do that. And we have to love like Jesus. We don't bring up old things. But you don't know what they did. And, and that broke my trust. But yes, we're moving on from that. We're moving on from that. we got to get stronger. we got to go stronger in this. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up. Say, never gives up. Love never loses faith. Say, never loses faith. And love is always hopeful. Now, those of you who have been through divorce, and you didn't want it. You held on as long as you could. But the other party chose not to. It's just like walking with the Lord. We can walk with the Lord and then decide suddenly I'm done walking with the Lord. Done walking with Him. He's still going to be there. But we're the one that separates ourselves and walks away. You see what I'm saying? Love's always hopeful. And love endures through every circumstance. Let's all stand. You got a tough thing in your life you're facing? Tough thing in your marriage you're facing? Love, decisions, choices, being intentional, endures through every circumstance. You can win. Amen. Now, you, today you may not be married. You may be single and say, well, pastor, I just spent an hour and none of this pertained to me. I'm just telling you, make yourself a better person and realize. Realize what love is. Work with it according unto the Lord. Lord, I'm going to decide. When I decide and I make a choice that I need to do something different to you, Lord, that's my love to you. That's my choice to you. And we're going to end it with this. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is patient. Be patient. Be patient. Love is kind. Don't fight with each other. Don't say stuff to each other in fits of rage. You're going to say hurtful things. Hurtful things that maybe you mean and maybe you don't mean. Remember what drew you to them in the first place and what drew them to you in the first place. What was it? Paul said to remember your first love. He was talking about the kingdom, but we can also put that in our walks with the Lord and with our marriages and each other. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It is not boastful. Wives. What, what, there's several places in the New Testament that talk about this. Wives. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Even those who refuse to accept the good news, your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. They will be won over by watching your pure godly behavior. Don't be concerned about the outward. Now watch. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty that de- depends on fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should be known for your beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. That is the way the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham when she called him her master. Yet you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. And you're thinking, man, is all this about the woman? Does the woman have to do all of this? No, there's some stuff for the husbands too. There's some stuff for the husbands. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. How about that? It's not you get married and you sit in the lounge chair, the recliner every night. You know, honey, woman, bring me a Pepsi. Where's the remote at? Can you can you rub my feet? You see what I'm saying? It's take reciprocation. It takes reciprocation. Husbands, you got to love your wives. You got to treat her with understanding. You want your prayers to be heard. The Lord says, "Let's do this." You wives must submit to your husbands. Oh, now it's getting scratchy in here. As is fitting for those who belong to the Lord, and you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. We got to love each other with respect and kindness. Amen. Amen. I'm done. I'm done. So I'm going to ask you just right where you're at. We're going to pray right now, okay? If, you, if your spouse is here, if you're married, your spouse is here, if you like to hold their hand or whatever, feel comfortable and free. Let's pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. From the very beginning of time, Lord, you put the marriage in place. You put it all together, Lord, as husband and wife, and it parallels and it types the church. 
So, Lord, I pray today, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, for every marriage in our church that's here today, that's not here today, that's watching online, oh, God, the enemy wants to attack the very the very foundation of the community. Lord, we see that all these government agencies and we see on the news all of the breakdown in the inner cities. And we realize, Lord, that it is the, the, the basis of the whole thing is the breakdown of the family. And God, you've chosen marriage and family for the community and for the church. That's why the enemy wants to destroy it. That's why the devil wants to take the, the family out. The devil wants to to separate the man and the woman and let the, the children be raised, God, by grandparents or uncles or aunts or even step-parents or foster, whatever it is, Lord. And, Lord, I know that there are situations where a marriage just doesn't work, God, with infidelity, with abuse, with, with all of that business. But I pray right now that, God, you would strengthen our families in this church. Strengthen, God, our foundation of what the church and the community is built on in this house today, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we have found and maybe we've seen is uh, maybe a small thing through this uh, talk today, through this sermon today, that each of us can can realize that I need to change this or we need to work on this. And God, I pray that there would be a spirit of understanding. I pray that there would be a willing spirit, that each one of us will be willing to make ourselves better, better, better husbands, better wives. Not that we're going to, you know, for an award, but Lord, to better serve our families. Because serving is a choice. You served us, Lord, as you came to earth and died for our sins. You served us and you served the need that we had when you shed your blood for the redemption of the sins, God, that were in our lives. And so, Lord, today I pray in Jesus' name that these families, every family would be touched. That, Lord, every single person would be blessed today. Every single family and every, or every single person, every single Lord parent, every, whatever the situation is, maybe the children are grown up, every person would become, Lord, more like you. And we can do it as unto the Lord if we don't have a spouse. We do it as unto the Lord. For God, I pray that you strengthen our families and you strengthen God, each of us. I pray against the voices of the enemy that would try to come against every family in Jesus' name. I come against every voice. I need some help now, brothers and sisters. I pray against every voice of the enemy that would try to come against each family in this house and in this church in Jesus' name. Those voices that say, just walk away. Those voices that say, they don't want it. Those voices that say, they don't care. Those lies that the enemy puts in our minds, our spirits, I rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I just pray, God, that your spirit would rain down upon each family, each household, Lord, each mom, each dad, each each child in those households. Let your presence fill their homes. Let your peace fill their homes in the name of Jesus. God, reveal what the enemy is trying to do. Let us see, God. Throw back, God, the veil. Throw back, Lord, all of that. And let us let us see, God, what is happening and how the enemy is trying to trick us. Loneliness is not good. You said in your word, it's not good that the man is alone. You said that in Genesis. We read it today, that it was not good that the man would be alone. That's why you made him a helpmeet. 
That help me is his other self. So, Lord, the enemy and the, all that he's trying to do, we rebuke it, we bind it, we cast it out. We ask you, Lord, to move mightily, mightily in marriages today. We just pray, God, that you will help us to become more like you. Help us to practice love, that love is not jealous, love is not selfish, love doesn't keep records of wrongdoings. Love is kind, love is patient. All of those things that Paul said in Corinthians, God help us to get those things in our walk with you every day, in our lives. Let us live successful, godly lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand praise right now. Would you do it? I believe it. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. I appreciate you being here today. Let's don't walk together. Or let's let's don't struggle by ourselves. See, it's time. It's time. It's time for me to go. Let's walk together. Let's not struggle by ourselves. Okay? If you need help, if you need help, call Let us know. There's something we can help with. Like I said, my confidentiality filters are so thick, they're good. And if I can't help you, listen, I am not, listen, I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm a pastor, okay? I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. And if I can't help you, I'm going to get you in contact with people who can. All right? One, one example, and I'm going to let you go. There was a young couple. Some of you know this couple. There was a young couple probably uh, 19 years ago or so, 19, 20 years ago or so. They had been married, I don't know, six or seven years. And uh, they, uh, the, the, the lady had came from a broken home. Her family, there was divorce a couple different times in her family. And so that was basically normal to her. So one day they came back from uh, the end of the day and... They come in from the end of the day, and the man walks in, sits down at the table, and she turns around and she says, I don't love you anymore, and hands him divorce papers. And he's like, well, where in the world did this come from? Because he didn't. And so they talked, and they got help. And that was almost 20 years ago, and they're still married. So what I'm saying is, I will help you get help. I will connect you to people, professionals to help. Because we don't need any more of this. Amen. You don't need it in your life. You don't deserve it. You don't, need, you don't have to go through this. Too much hurt, too much pain. Kids abandoned. Holes in people's hearts for the rest of their lives. Trying to find out, am I worth something? Does anybody even love me or care? Does anybody even know I exist? So, all right, it's 12.02. In the name of Jesus, I'll see you Tuesday night at 5.30. I need some men here. And I'll see you Wednesday at 7. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.